Everywhere I went, I kept seeing the old Jamaican woman out of the corner of my eye, staring at me and smiling. I'm Tom Stewart, and this is my paranormal story. Well, it's been a minute since the last time I posted a new episode. I hope you didn't think I forgot about you. It's been a crazy summer. I hadn't planned on taking time off from the podcast, but I kind of had no choice. This little studio that I've built for myself here in the basement uh, all of a sudden stopped working. I'm not sure what happened. Uh, Maybe some moisture or some mildew got into my equipment or, I don't know, maybe it's haunted. Wouldn't that be ironic? But all of my equipment stopped working and it took me a while to figure out what needed to be replaced and it turned out everything. My microphone, my Focusrite box, my computer, uh, all of it. So it was a long summer uh, just trying to save up and buy these things, you know, one at a time. And then I also caught COVID and that knocked me out for a couple of weeks. So it's been an eventful few months, but I'm back and I can't wait to share some new episodes with you. As I was working to replace my equipment, uh, I tried to stay engaged by doing lots of interviews on other people's podcasts and uh, posting on social media. So I do have some thank yous to give out if you'll just allow me a few minutes. First of all, I'm gonna give a big thanks to Ace Aceto and Scott Higgins from Behind the Funny for once again this year, allowing me to guest host with them on their podcast, during the month of October, or as they call it, Scottober. I'll be on their podcast all month, so please check it out because we've gotten to interview some great people from the paranormal field, even a few from the TV show Ghost Hunters. So look for Behind the Funny wherever you listen to podcasts and definitely listen for me on there during the month of October But listen to all their episodes because they're both very funny and they always interview very interesting people. I also want to thank Ken DaCosta and George Lopez for having me on their YouTube show, Dead Air Full Spectrum. I think I was actually on a couple of their shows since my last update here. So please go check out their show. If you like the paranormal, you are going to love their show. They interview the biggest and the best and the brightest in the paranormal field every week. In fact, they've got a whole channel devoted to the paranormal, all sorts of great shows. So go look for them on YouTube and uh, give them a watch. I also want to thank Emily Winter for letting me tell some of my spooky stories on her podcast called Comedians with Ghost Stories. She's a great host and for some reason, Comedians have a way of telling some great ghost stories, and she's got a whole bunch of them that you can binge listen to. So check that podcast out wherever you get podcasts. And finally, I want to thank all of you 
who have kept listening to the podcast, even though I hadn't put up any new episodes in a while. A lot of you emailed me asking when I'd be back, and a lot of you uh, just kept listening to old episodes a second and third time, which kind of blows my mind, but I love you for it. Also, thank you to those of you who have continued to make donations to the podcast or uh, went to the website and bought some merchandise. Every little bit helps, especially now that I've had to buy all this new stuff. Uh, if you'd like to support the podcast, just visit the website, myparanormalstory.com. There's a donate button there, and then there's also mugs and t-shirts for sale. All right, that's it. That's all for the thank yous. I know you're anxious to hear my newest story, and I'm anxious for you to hear it. So here we go. Do you believe in curses? I never did, until I took a trip to Jamaica. It was my first time ever leaving the country. Well, I mean, not technically. I had been to Canada a couple of times, and Mexico once while I was on a cruise. But this would be my first time traveling outside of North America, like actually flying over an ocean. I was working at a local radio station in Massachusetts at the time. This had to be around the early 2000s or so. We were flying to Jamaica to do five days of live broadcasts from the tropical vacation island. It was myself and two other co-workers, and we got to bring our significant others. It was all part of a marketing campaign to encourage our listeners to book a vacation at one of Jamaica's all-inclusive resorts. We would promote them for a couple of weeks on our station. In exchange, we got to go to the island for free, all expenses paid, just as long as we bragged about how much fun we were having on the radio. And it was fun, and it was all-inclusive. The airfare, the resort hotel rooms, uh, all the food we could eat or drink, even alcohol. Everything was free. The only thing we had to pay for were souvenirs and excursions. Now, I'm not a nervous flyer, but this was my first flight since 9-11. And like I said, it was my first time flying over an ocean. But luckily, it was a smooth flight, only about five to six hours from Boston. But arriving there was a little strange. The airport we landed at was really small, and the terminal looked old. I mean, it looked more like a warehouse with some windows in it. And there were no jetways or loading bridges leading to the plane. We had to get off the plane the old-fashioned way by walking down a set of stairs put into place by a truck right there on the runway. We walked across the tarmac area and through some double doors into what was apparently the airport. Now, there was no real security areas or TSA checkpoints. Customs was just a man in a military outfit sitting behind a podium. And there was no luggage area either. You know, like no conveyor belts where your bags go around in a circle. It was just some men in orange vests unloading our luggage from a big truck right into the lobby. Like I said, the flight was smooth, but the roughest ride of the day 
was the two-hour ride from the airport to the resort. They had us all pile into an old shuttle bus, us and our suitcases, and we just sat there hanging on for our lives for the next two hours. See, all the roads were poorly paved or even completely made of dirt, and we bounced around in the back as the driver raced his way across the island. There were very few street signs and no red lights or stop signs or speed limits. The roads were complete chaos. And the driver would keep beeping his horn every time he went through an intersection, as if to say, I'm not stopping. Oh, and they drive on the left side of the road, which was my first experience with that. Along the way, we could see just how poor some of the people in this country are. It was mostly trees and jungle, but we would pass by some neighborhoods of people and families uh, all living in wooden huts and shelters. I'm not sure if they even had electricity or running water. Most of the people we would see were just sitting in the shade, staring at us as we zipped by. A few of them looked like they were trying to make some money by selling water and fruit and little stands off the side of the road. But our driver had no plans on stopping. After a couple of hours of white-knuckling the back of the seat in front of me, everything suddenly changed. Like the Wizard of Oz, everything was all of a sudden in color. The buildings we were passing all looked colorful and modern and the roads were paved and maintained. And there in front of us was our resort in the town of Ocho Rios. The bus stopped at a black iron gate with two men in camouflage fatigues holding AK-47 looking rifles. One of them walked around the bus inspecting for who knows what until he finally waved to the other guard to open the gate. Now, I don't know what Jamaica's like now, but back then, it was a dangerous place. There was lots of crime. So the resort literally had a small army of armed security guards at all the entrances. It was a little nerve-wracking at times. But once we got inside, we quickly forgot about all of that. Because the resort was beautiful. Gorgeous landscaping everywhere tall palm trees swaying in the breeze, beautiful blue sky, and everyone was super friendly. We checked in and headed to our rooms. My room had oceanside views with a sliding patio door that led out into the pool area. And there were two pools, a lazy river and a hot tub, and tons of activities like volleyball, jet skiing, and trampolines, and bars everywhere for booze and snacks. And the most gorgeous beach I've ever seen. The sand was white and soft like powder. And the ocean was a clear bluish green you could see right to the bottom. I mean, it was paradise. And the first couple of days were amazing. We worked a little, we played a little, and we ate and drank a lot. We were completely spoiled. But... My girlfriend and I, we were getting a little restless on the resort. 
We were told not to go anywhere without a chaperone, but we definitely wanted to go on some sort of an adventure. So I asked the concierge if there were any museums or anything like that we could go visit. And she said she knew the perfect place. She arranged for us to travel the next morning with a guide who was also armed. And he took us to an art facility about 45 minutes away. It was just the two of us on the bus and the guide driving. And I expected him to take us into a city somewhere nearby. But instead he took us down some dirt roads into the thick of the jungle. Eventually stopping at this large wooden building in the middle of nowhere. I didn't know what to think at first, but when we walked in, we were blown away by all the amazing artwork around us. This large wooden shack was filled with gorgeous handmade pieces of pottery. And there was a young Jamaican man in the corner, sitting at a pottery wheel, literally making his next piece. The guide and the young man seemed to know each other. He cleaned himself off with a dirty towel and shook our hands. He said his name was Bodrick, as he welcomed us to his studio. There had to be 30 to 40 pieces of finely decorated pottery surrounding the room. There was very little lighting though, just a few strings of lights hanging from the wooden ceiling beams, connected to a generator somewhere in the back, I assumed. And there were no floors, just dirt and roots with some occasional boards on the ground for stability. And then there was a back room of sorts that was separated by a big blue tarp hung like a wall. As I walked by, I caught an older woman peeking at us from the back. She gave me a quick smile and then disappeared behind the tarp. Now this was far from being a museum, but impressive in its own way. And my girlfriend was in her glory. She was an artist herself and she was blown away by the pieces we were seeing. Most of them sat on old wooden crates that were set up like pedestals. But despite the crude displays, you could still see the beauty and the care that was put into each piece. Bodrick was showing us each of the pieces one by one, hoping we'd be interested in buying one. Suddenly my girlfriend spotted a vase in the corner. It was a large vase, a floor vase, like a foot and a half tall off the ground. It had a bright orange-yellowish color to it, like a sunburst. And there were lines and swirls painted all around it. Oh, my mother made that one, Bodrick proudly said. Was that her in the back? I asked him. No, he replied, looking at me strangely. My mother passed away years ago. My girlfriend fell in love with the vase and asked Bodrick how much he wanted for it. But before he could answer, a much larger and much older man came out from behind the blue tarp. That one's not for sale, he said in his deep Jamaican accent. Bodrick just looked at us and then led us off into another direction to look at some other pieces. But nothing else really caught our eye. So... A bit disappointed, we thanked Bodrick for the tour and headed back to our bus. 
just as the guide started the engine, Bodrick came running out with that big vase his mother had made. Here, quickly, take this. I want you to have it, he said. Really? My girlfriend said so happy. How much? Two hundred dollars, he said, while nervously looking over his shoulder. My father doesn't want to sell it, but my family needs the money. Before I could even say anything, my girlfriend had handed him the money and was holding the vase in her lap, hugging it tightly for the bumpy ride back to the resort. The whole transaction felt like a setup to me, a clever way to make us want the vase that much more. But then all I could think of was, how are we going to get this thing on the plane? But my girlfriend had a plan. When we got back to the resort, she checked in with the concierge, and sure enough, she knew of a place we could go to in the morning that would safely pack and ship the vase back home for us. It would be much safer and a lot more convenient than taking it on the plane. Later that same day, a group of us went on an excursion to a place called Dunn's Falls. It's this beautiful tourist attraction, not far from Ocho Rios, where you can walk up a waterfall. It's more like a small river cascading down a hill with pools of spring water here and there. They had a little shop where you could rent some water shoes to protect your feet from the sharp rocks, you know, as you're slowly walking up the winding path to the top. But they were a little pricey, and we just spent 200 bucks on a vase. So I chose to make the walk in my sneakers, because I'm cheap. But let me tell you, Dunn's Falls is amazing. The cool water totally refreshes you out there in the tropical heat as it's splashing over you. Some parts are harder than others to navigate, but once you get to the top, there's a small spring pool that you can wade into. And at the back of it, there's like a seven or eight foot tall waterfall that you can literally just walk right under. We stopped for a while to enjoy the scenery. And then suddenly out of the corner of my eye, I saw someone staring at me. I turned and I could swear it was that old lady from the art studio. I only saw her for like a quick second or two, but I think she was smiling at me, just staring at me from behind some trees. For some reason, that lady must have spooked me because that night I had this weird dream. I was walking through the jungle, lost, looking around for my friends, and the old lady kept watching me from behind different trees. I tried following her, hoping she would lead me to safety, but I was having trouble walking because I wasn't wearing any shoes. I looked down at my feet and I had no sneakers on. I was barefoot. When I looked back up, the old lady was gone. It was the weirdest dream. And when I woke up in the morning, it got even weirder. I went out onto the patio to get my sneakers and they were missing. I had put them outside to dry overnight after wearing them in the water, but now they were gone and they were the only shoes I had brought with me. So I had to send my girlfriend into the souvenir shop, hoping that they'd have something I could wear. But all they had 
were these huge black souvenir sandals with the Jamaican flag on them. And I had to wear those for the rest of the trip, while working, while on the beach, at dinner, even on the flight home. The next morning, I put on my new footwear, and my girlfriend and I took a quick trip with our chaperone to the Jamaican version of the UPS store. And we had them pack and ship our vase back home. It cost another $150 to ship it, but at least it was going to arrive home safely. In one piece, hopefully. We got to spend the next three or four days relaxing, eating, drinking, enjoying ourselves. But all good things have to end. Before we knew it, we were back on that shuttle bus, speeding through the roads of Jamaica back to the airport for the flight home. And this is where everything started getting really strange. I was so relieved when we were finally back in New England. But my girlfriend couldn't wait to get her vase. She had shipped it to her mother's house so that someone would be home to accept it. So after a quick lunch, we went right to her mother's house and she unpacked it right there so she could show it off. And of course, her mom loved it. I was just relieved that it survived the trip. After our short visit with her mom, I just wanted to get home. We put the vase back in the box, put it in the trunk of my SUV, right next to our suitcase and headed home finally, but about halfway home, the saddest thing happened. A car in front of us hit a dog in the middle of the road. I slammed on my brakes in shock, and the driver stopped for a moment, saw what happened, and then just took off. I was so mad, but I quickly jumped into action with my girlfriend just to try and help the dog. The poor thing was still alive, but wasn't looking too good. So I grabbed a towel from my suitcase, wrapped up the dog, and carried it to the car. And my girlfriend sat in the back seat with it as I sped to the nearest animal hospital. I rushed in with the dog in my arms, telling them it had just been hit by a car, and the vets and the nurses quickly took the dog in the back to try and save her. And my girlfriend and I just stood there, staring at each other. At this point, we were both exhausted and just wanted to get home, but we didn't want to leave either. After a short wait, one of the vet techs came out to tell us that the poor dog didn't make it. But they were able to save her puppies. We were heartbroken and relieved at the same time. The vet tech told us that the dog did have one of those ID chips, so they were able to contact the owner. I didn't know if we should stay and talk to the owner and, and tell them what had happened or to just leave and go on our way. But before I could make up my mind, this man, about my age, came in, talked to the vet for a couple of minutes, and then came charging for me. He pushed me up against the wall, enraged, as if I was the one who had hit his dog. 
but the nurse quickly told them what happened and who I was, and the guy just sort of collapsed onto me. He was so emotional, and I just sort of held him up for a minute as he gathered himself. It was one of the most emotional days of my life. But things were only getting started. We finally got home safely that night. We brought in our suitcase and the vase, and I just fell into bed. The next morning I woke up, and my girlfriend had already set up the vase in the corner in the living room with some long-stemmed flowers in it. She'd been showing it off to our landlady who lived upstairs, and she happily gave my girlfriend a couple of sunflowers from her garden in the backyard. And I had to admit, it did brighten up the place. A little later that day, though, we heard a strange sound coming from the back of the house. It was like a loud crashing sound. We rushed outside to see what it was, and we found our landlady on the ground at the bottom of the stairs to the deck. Her ankle was definitely broken. The next thing I know, we were driving her to the emergency room and staying there with her until her son could get there. When I asked her what happened, she said she wasn't sure, but that it felt almost like someone had pushed her down the stairs. Now, sadly, this wasn't going to be our last trip to the hospital that week. A few days later, my girlfriend got a phone call from her sister, and she was frantic. Their mother had had a heart attack and was in the hospital. We had just seen her a couple days ago, and now she's in the hospital too. We spent several days going back and forth, visiting her mom and sitting with her family. Thankfully, her mother recovered, but she needed surgery and was never really the same again. Now, I don't know if it was the stress of everything that was happening or if we were just growing apart, but my girlfriend and I suddenly started fighting a lot. We were having arguments and disputes about all sorts of stupid things. Neither of us were happy anymore. The tension in our apartment was so high. It had only been a few weeks since our Jamaica trip, but we decided to split up. It all seemed sudden, but at the time, all I could think about was moving out. I just wanted to get out of that apartment. A friend of mine came over on the following Saturday and helped me move some of my stuff into a truck and over to his house where I'd be staying for a while. The next day, I got an angry phone call from my girlfriend. She was irate, yelling at me for breaking her vase. But I told her I never touched the vase. And I really hadn't, not even by accident. I went over later that day to get a few more of my remaining things, and she showed me the vase. It was the weirdest thing. It was broken into several pieces, but 
it didn't look like anything had hit it. It was almost as if it shattered from the inside. I assured her again that I didn't break it, but I don't think she ever believed me. Despite everything we went through, we're still friends today. We never got back together, but occasionally I would go over and visit her, you know, from time to time, just to say hello and to see the puppy. Oh, I almost forgot. The dog owner from that accident, he gave us one of those puppies. And my ex-girlfriend still has it. My Paranormal Story is written, produced, and narrated by me, Tom Stewart. Music from this episode, courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incomptech.com. If you enjoy my stories and would like to support the podcast, visit my website at MyParanormalStory.com. Just click on the donate button. Or if you want, I also have t-shirts and coffee mugs for sale. Because unfortunately, podcasts cost money to make, and your support helps me keep this podcast running. So every little bit helps. You can also check out my book called The 10 Best Tools for Ghost Hunting. If you've ever wanted to learn more about the gadgets used in paranormal investigation, you can check out my book on Audible, Kindle, or Amazon.com. Please help my podcast grow by sharing your favorite episodes with your friends on social media. And feel free to follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for My Paranormal Story. If you have a podcast and would like to have me as a guest, or if you'd like to ask me a question or tell me your paranormal story, you can email me at myparanormalstorypodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Tom Stewart, and this is My Paranormal Story.